0: Hello and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Don Griffith. This episode will be of interest to our non Toastmaster listeners, as well as our new Toastmasters looking for something a little extra today it's my pleasure to interview one of District Three's very active members, Shelley Gabriel. Welcome to the podcast, Shelley.
1: Hello, Don.
0: Shelley tell the audience a little bit about your Toastmaster experience.
1: I am a Toastmaster for eight years. I'm in four clubs and I'm actively in the district helping everybody.
0: Yeah, you're everywhere I go in the district, there you are. Is there any part of the district activity that you're not a part of? No. (laughs) I didn't think so. For the people who are listening who are not Toastmasters, why should they be a Toastmaster? Why did you become a Toastmaster?
1: I joined Toastmasters because I worked in a call center. My supervisor listened to my phone call. He gave me feedback that I had the filler words, and I was saying them every other word when I was trying to talk to our military member on the phone and answering questions, and I couldn't think of answers right away.
0: So when you say filler words? Um, ah, like, you know. Okay. So those little nothing words that we say when we're not sure what we should be saying, our brain puts us on hold and we say um or ah or whatever. Yes, sir. And you had a lot of those, and your supervisor pointed that out to you? Yes. Okay, what happened next?
1: Then he said to join Toastmasters, and fortunate for me, I had a member of my team who was in Toastmasters. Her name is Julie Colliendo. She had been a Toastmaster forever, and five DTM, six DTMs. And she goes, we have a club. I'm going to take you down there. So she invited me to the club. I went to the club meeting. I met Betty Covington and I met some other people. And I really liked what I did. I liked the club. I said, this is going to work for me. I'm going to be able to be a better speaker. But also something most people don't know about me is I'm a communications major. I can communicate. But getting in front of an audience and giving a speech, I freeze. I'm nervous. Those nerves kick in, and it's like, I'm done.
0: You joined because your supervisor suggested it. Mm -hmm. That's a good supervisor, by the way. Yes. To do that. Instead of writing you up or firing you, understanding your value and wanting to make you a better employee. But when you got to the meeting, you also remembered or realized that you had apprehension, a fear of speaking in front of a group. Mm -hmm. That's very common. Mm -hmm. Many people who are listening to this podcast who are not Toastmasters can relate to that. Tell us about that first meeting, when you walked into your very first Toastmaster meeting.
1: When I first walked in, I thought, this is going to be great. I met a lot of people. They were warm inviting and they welcomed me into the club and then we started going through I introduced myself that was easy went up did table topics that was easy
0: what's a table topic
1: table topic is impromptu speaking where you're asked a question and you have to come up with the answer on the fly which if you're going for a job interview this will help you because you don't know what questions you're going to be asked in a job interview. So you did a, one of those table topics. I did one of those table topics, and then I joined the club, and I was great, and I was doing the functionary roles such as auto-counter, grammarian, toastmaster, general evaluator, evaluator. I was doing everything, but the one thing that I had an apprehension on was giving a speech. It took me five months to do my icebreaker. Is that right? I, I find
0: it hard to believe that the Shelly Gabriel that I know today would wait five months to give a speech.
1: Oh, yes, I waited because all my life I have been afraid to get up and say anything in front of everybody. Even when I was at school giving speeches, I didn't want to do it.
0: But you finally did.
1: I finally did. I Tell gave, us
0: about that first speech.
1: I gave my icebreaker. My knees shook. My voice went up and down. I was shaking like a leaf. And then when I went back and sat down, I'm like, this isn't so bad after all. And after practicing it over and over and giving my speeches, look at me now. You can't shut me up.
0: When you sat down, what did the rest of the members in that club do?
1: They gave me a standing ovation and they clapped.
0: You got some affirmation instantly. I did. This is going to be okay. Yes. And then you also got some feedback, didn't you?
1: Yes, that feedback was very important to me because it helped me improve for what I was going to do for my next speech. And the nice thing about our manual that we had, our your, competent communicator your, manual. The instruction the book. The instruction book. Is, it was a building block of how you form your speeches when I was in communications and going to school, they kind of told us, but they really didn't tell us. And this helped. But one thing I learned about giving my speeches over the year, and this is something that I hear from a lot of people, is they don't know what to talk about. What topics do they pick? What I've noticed is if you pick something that you're passionate about, it will help you think of your thoughts and talk about what you want to talk about?
0: Sure. So that you're, you're at your first meeting, you've your first club. You you've done table topics. You've done all of the the functionary roles. Which, for again, for non-toastmasters, when you go to a club, there are things that happen. What are some of the things that go on in a meeting that that might surprise a, a guest or a new toastmaster?
1: You get asked to speech. You give up and introduce yourself so we know who you are. I would say you get to work on your English language. You get feedback, which you usually don't get if you give a presentation. You just give it and that's it. But something guests don't know about is that if you come to a club and you join the club and you have a presentation that you need to give, you can practice there because it's a safe environment. And you're going to be able to get that feedback and implement it when you give your presentation. But it's going to make you comfortable in front of your management team and your peers.
0: Oh, I see. So what you mean is if you've got a speech in the what I'd call the real world, mm-hmm. you can come to Toastmaster, give it a shot, give it a dry run, a rehearsal, get some good feedback, and take that back where you actually start to put your skills to use. Yes, What are some of the other functions that a club would have that if, again, if you're a guest or a new member, what are some of the functions that are happening?
1: There's a timer rule. How many meetings do you go to that go on and on and on because they don't have an agenda that they follow, which is something that we all have at our Toastmasters meeting, but also we have a timer that keeps us on time. The timer Sometimes in a regular meeting, they don't have one. So you get people rambling on about 10 minutes for something that they shouldn't be rambling on about.
0: We teach our members to be aware of the time of their speech. Because if you're aware of the time of your speech, whatever that time is, in a Toastmaster meeting, a typical time is what, five or seven minutes? Yes. Outside world, it could be anything. It could be a minute to a half hour to an hour. If you know that there's a time limit and you've practiced with a time limit, you organize your speech, you edit your speech. So that's a skill. What are some of the other functionaries? What about this ums and ahs? Is there any help for that?
1: Yes. The ah counter. Not every club has what we call a clicker or some sort of form that's going to help you with your ums and ahs.
0: What you mean is... The awe counter might have a little noise-making device? Yes. To let you know you just said an awe?
1: Yes. And the noise-making device is not to scare you. It's to help you. And I associate that with Pavlov because it's classical conditioning. Mm -hmm. Once you hear the click, you know you've done a filler word. After a while, if you're doing a filler word, you're going click in your head, and you can hear it. But mm-hmm. also something else you're doing when you're on accounting, you're developing listening skills.
0: Oh, if you're the ah uh, counter. Yes. And the person who says the um or the ah, uh, they get some feedback. Now, not all clubs do the clicker, but they mm-hmm. usually do have an ah uh, counter. Yes. Which, you know The feedback, we've talked about feedback. We, we don't call it feedback in the club meeting. We usually call it evaluation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of evaluation goes on in a meeting?
1: We have two kinds. We have the general evaluator who gives their overall view of how the meeting went and what we can do to improve the meeting. But also, we have an evaluator of the speakers. And what they do is they provide critical feedback. Now, the feedback is positive, they give positive feedback, but also they give them opportunities on how they can make their speech better, or maybe not so much the speech, but their presence on stage, such as their gestures, the use of the stage, eye contact, are they using their notes too much, or are they by the lectern and not leaving it?
0: The evaluator is assigned to listen to that speech and watch it, and then within the same meeting to give an oral evaluation, again, pointing out the good things and helping with suggestions for improving the things that weren't ideal.
1: Also, for feedback, not only do we give oral evaluations, we also do written evaluations. So each member of the club is listening to the speech and they will write down feedback for the speaker. That also helps them as well.
0: And the speaker then takes that home and can read them on their own time.
1: And even some clubs Record their speeches so you can actually see what you're doing, as Don Clausing did for Unity Speakers. It's one thing he always said, if your hand's in in your pocket and you don't think you put it in the pocket, the video's going to show you.
0: So you went to this club and you started learning all these things and, and participating in these various roles and functions, as we call them. And you got better and better, and you learned a lot. When did you finally notice there was something more to Toastmasters than speaking?
1: When I became, we had elections, and I was I was asked to be membership vice president.
0: Did you Bec- know what that was?
1: At the time, no. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. It was me, I'm... I'm a people person, so I was meeting people and doing different things, and they thought I would be good because I was, when I first walked into my meeting, I should say, I was going around saying hi, everybody, and after that, I was going hi and saying everybody, and I was just a member, I wasn't an officer, but I wanted them to feel welcomed, just as I felt welcomed. Sure. And I became membership vice president, We had an open house. We signed up six new members at my membership drive that we had. We had a career day, and I was out talking to people and doing everything. But one thing about being an officer is you got to go to Toastmasters Leadership Institute. And this is where I started meeting people, networking, and becoming part of the district.
0: So, what is a Toastmaster Leadership Institute?
1: Toastmasters Leadership Institute is for where newly elected officers and those who may be an assistant or getting mentored to be the officer for next year come to learn about their officer roles and how to do them. So, it's training. So, it's training. Yeah. The thing about the training is it's not just for officers. It's open to anybody that
0: wants to come. Sure. But when you agreed to be this membership vice president, you weren't sure what that was, but you went to TLI, as we call it, and you found out. Were you able to be a better president of, vice president of membership afterwards?
1: Yes, and not just for my club, but it helped me throughout my Toastmasters career.
0: And you networked, you mentioned that already, you met a lot of people that uh, could help you.
1: Yes, which meant a lot because a lot of those people helped me down the road as a mentor, but also they helped me if I needed help with a contest or anything that I needed help with, conference, anything that I needed, they were there for me.
0: Okay, now you just brought up a contest and a conference. Are those done in the club, or is that some other kind of event that goes on in Toastmasters?
1: The contest is something that we used to do twice a year, but we only do once a year now. We do it in the spring. We start at the club level. What you're doing is we have two categories. As a contestant, you come up with the speech. You go up there and you give your speech. And actually, most people don't know. You get credit for your speech when you give it. So you're competing against other people. When you win at the club level, then you go up to the area level where you're competing against four or five other people. When you win the area contest, then you go up to the division contest in which you're competing against five or six more people. And then you have the district contest, which is held during the district conference. And you are competing against eight other individuals from across the state.
0: Who have all gone through these levels just like you did. And so you're seeing a winnowing of the of the contestants, you're seeing the best of the best have come up through the ranks. And now you compete at the what most people would call the state level. For mm-hmm. us, it's the district. We are District 3, which is almost the whole state of Arizona. Did you do contests yourself?
1: I competed one time for evaluation at the club. I was disqualified because I went over by 30 seconds. Oh. Yes, there are rules for contests. We do have that timing rule for a reason. And everybody wanted me to go back and compete, but I didn't want to compete. I'm like, there's got to be something else I can do. My mentor at the time, Betty Covington, started me with contests, going to contest training. Yes, we have more training that you can go to to learn about different things, but I learned how the contests are run. I learned the different roles of the contest. I know the speech rule book that we have, and I go over it to see what they have in there that's new because it changes every year. I became what we call a contest junkie or a contest guru. So you,
0: you, didn't, you chose not mm-hmm. to do a lot of competition yourself, but you got involved in the organization and mm-hmm. the management of contests. That sounds like a leadership function, it is. You know, Toastmasters has a tagline, in it's on its website, if you go to it, toastmasters.org, and it says, where leaders are made. Well, you certainly found your niche. You know, you started in this club. You became an officer. What happened after you were vice president of membership? What was your next leadership experience?
1: Well, actually, what I had to do was I had to find a second club so I had an opportunity to give more speeches so I could com- Wait,
0: wait, you can be in more than one club?
1: Oh, yes, you can be as many as you want and at one point about 4 years ago, I was in 11 different clubs. Wow. Now that's a lot,
0: but you were enjoying
1: it. I was enjoying it the fact that I say 11 clubs everybody's going oh, Really? 11 clubs? How do you do it? Well, most of my clubs didn't meet every week. They were Mm -hmm. once a week, twice a month, and
0: once a month. Mm -hmm. So it it wasn't as crazy as it might sound at first.
1: No. But it also helped me complete my speeches faster.
0: Right. Now, for the people listening who are thinking, I I can't be in 11 clubs— Do you have to be in more than one
1: club? No, you don't have to be.
0: In fact, I think most members are just in one club.
1: Most members are because they want to see how other clubs work, but also it's a good way to network and Mm -hmm. to meet people. And
0: as you already said, if you're trying to complete speeches for the various educational levels, it gives you more outlets to speak. Mm -hmm. So you join multiple clubs. Mm-hmm. And did you continue with your leadership track? Did you continue doing club
1: leadership jobs? I did. When I went over to Unity Speakers, I became membership. They needed a membership vice president.
0: Okay. Well, you're a veteran now.
1: I'm a veteran now, and <laughs> I might as well teach everybody what I learned. But also, when I was membership vice president... I learned from somebody that had been doing it for 40 years,
0: yeah.
1: which helped me understand that club and how it worked. So if he wasn't there, I was able to take over for him. But also I understood why that club has been going for 25 years and why they've been president's Distinguished for 14.
0: We're now eight years after your first Toastmasters club. Have you been in all of the leadership positions that a club has?
1: I have served every role as a club officer. I have been president twice of two different clubs. I have been vice president education three times. I have been membership twice. I have been treasurer twice. I have been vice president of public relations twice. I have been secretary twice.
0: There's one left.
1: And I've been sergeant at arms twice. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: all of the seven officer positions, which are in each club, you've held sometimes more than once. Yes. Why so many times and so many officer positions? What's in it for
1: you? Every time I'm in a position, I'm always learning and growing because I'm learning from different people, but also when I come to training, I'm always learning something different that I didn't know before. And that's how we learn and grow in Toastmasters, by going to training and by doing different things.
0: Are there leadership positions beyond what you do in the club?
1: Yes, you can go outside the club, you can be an area director, you can be a division director, you can be on a committee, help with TLI, volunteer, get involved, be on conference committee and help with conference. I've been an area governor, which is the same as area director. I was a division director. I was conference chair. I was also HPL chair, in which I led the HPL program for the district. But also right now, the most important thing I'm doing, which is a leadership role, is I'm mentoring other Toastmasters Mm -hmm. to achieve their goals.
0: Wow. Shelly, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. We could go on and on. We do have a time limit today. We need to wrap it up. Thank you so much for sharing your Toastmaster experience. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Don. I appreciate you.
0: We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.